Hey guys, this is Anthony Serino and, and Mike Hall from the FF Faceoff. What's going on? Mike, how's it going? What's up, everybody? How's it going? Now, uh, we are here to answer your questions. Uh, if you're not familiar uh, with us, we are uh, the co-hosts and creators of the FF Faceoff podcast, uh, found in, you know, on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, Periscope, you name it. We are literally everywhere at, at all the top podcast platforms. Uh, we are also head writers at gridironexperts.com. We contribute to all different uh, sites and podcasts, you know, uh, whatever kind of spots uh, that we ask to go on. We do it like something like this. Uh, and we are also rankers in the Fantasy Pros ECR. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, on top of all that, we make it pretty hard for you to not find us. So that's Hated her spotathon. That's right. The Mental Health Hayden Hurst Spotathon. If you guys heard about that over the summer, that was us. We are the responsible party for that proudly. And uh, we will be doing year two. So there you go. And we're ready to answer all questions. I mean, Anthony, ready to just yeah, take why, this away? Uh, yeah. But why don't you take the lead since you're the host? All right. All right. You know, so take the lead here. Well, here we go. We got a question here from Blaint. It's saying, with the fumbling problems from Singletary and Camp, do you believe Zach Moss will take over eventually this season? Um, Anthony, I mean, I'll kick it to you. I, I got to be honest, man. Um, I wasn't the biggest Zach Moss believer. Um, uh, but you know what, man? With the way the camp is going for Singletary, I don't think there's many players that you could say are having as bad of a camp as Singletary. I think Moss might be able to take that sooner rather than later. What are your thoughts? There was a report recently from Joe Biscaglia, a longtime Bills beat writer, saying that the fumbling issues could cost Devin Singletary his job as a starter in favor of Zach Moss. Uh, the most recent report from Biscaglia is saying that the lead running back spot is going to depend on opponent. This tells me we're probably looking at a true 50-50 share. Maybe they ride the hot hand. Uh, but I, I do think Devin Singletary is going to open the year as a starter. But on, a, on some running back by committee, what does the starter really mean uh, besides, mm -hmm. hey, they're going to get the first shot, the first snap? And don't forget, Moss is the bigger back. So goal line, I know we're worried about um, touchdowns being, being vultured from Josh Allen. But... Uh, Moss is the bigger back, so that is something to keep in mind as well at the goal line. Yeah, um, one of my, it is one of my running jokes that Josh Allen's the best running back on that team. Well, we'll, but, we'll you find know, out. As far as fantasy football price, if I'm going to own a piece of Bill's backfield, Zach Moss is the cheaper piece and potentially has the same ceiling. Yeah. Anthony, we're also being asked here, favorite part of the potathon this year. Um, to me... I would have to go with probably just, you know, we had Hayden Hurst on, obviously. He he was the man of the hour. It's his foundation. Um, him and his mom run it, and uh, they do a great job. But seeing his enthusiasm about getting to work in Atlanta, how enthusiastic he was, he was really ready to burst out of his chair. So to me, that was probably my favorite part of it. Anthony, is there a piece of the potathon that sticks with you? I mean, I, I really, I loved all, all of it because, you know, it was a lot of work we put into it. I, I, I love that it was successful from a, product, from a production end. Uh, but my favorite part of it was probably how intimate 
some of our guests opened up like, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Fantasy football moose. I was just going to mention Doug, the fantasy football football moose. Yeah. How about our guy, John Lobb, who dominated his half hour incorporating mental health and history because he, I believe he is a history teacher uh, outside of fantasy football. Uh, uh, Jamie Eisenberg and his connection with it. Everybody had a a connection for the most part. So uh, just hearing everybody's stories and how you can relate to them. Yeah. And I would definitely say, by the way, if you're on Twitter, Go to at the fantasy moose and uh, learn learn more about his story because it is inspirational, especially if it's not something that you feel comfortable talking about. Listening to him talk about mental health definitely helps you out. So keep that in mind. Um, Anthony, we're getting plenty of questions about Leonard Fournette, which is not a surprise. So, um, you know, one is will Leonard Fournette be more or less productive in the Tampa Bay offense? Does his addition hurt or add to the value of anyone on on that offense? Um, and then we'll let that bleed into the it, it bleed into the Jaguars because we do have a question after that. But so, Anthony, what are your thoughts there? I mean, we talked about it. We just wrapped up an FFA Saw podcast. What are your thoughts here? Does it hurt or add to the value of anyone on the Buccaneers' offense? You know, that running back room, to me, is going to be blown up. And I know Bruce Arians is still touting Ronald Jones. But look at the offseason fallout with that running back room. Move on from Peyton Barber. You draft Keyshawn Vaughn. You sign LaShawn McCoy. I believe, you know, and, and obviously now Fournette, you have Daria Gumbawale, who's been working out with Tom Brady, was one of their better or at least best pass protection back last year and probably uh, an upside receiver out of the backfield. If Ronald Jones was a, was a free agent, I don't think he'd be back on this team right now. Um, I'm not buying into Ronald Jones. I never bought into Ronald Jones because if Ronald Jones was it, you're not signing LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette is a guy, he gets a lot of heat on Twitter. And I think if Leonard Fournette played with any other team, he would be a, you know, people would have a different thought about Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was productive, was an RB1 in terms of fantasy points per game in each of the past three seasons, including 2017, where he only played in eight games running behind a bad offensive line, contending with Blake Bortles as your quarterback, and is always running behind six and seven men boxes. Leonard Fournette on the on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, that offense, that supporting cast, an extremely underrated offensive line who spent first-round draft capital on a high-ceiling rookie left tackle. Leonard Fournette is going to have uh, one of the better efficiency seasons of his career. Uh, And I do believe he brings fringe RB1 upside. And I say fringe because, hey, maybe Leonard Fournette doesn't pull away with this job from the get-go. But by October, I believe if he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. Now, circling it back really quick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're being asked by Blaint. Um does the departure of Fournette does it uh does DJ Shark's value go up? Uh maybe they become more of a pass happy offense. I mean, my quick answer, Anthony, you can you can chime in on this if you want to, but to me, 
they were going to be pass happy regardless of where Len- of if Leonard Fournette was employed by the Jaguars or not. I just think that it's a product of having a bad defense. They're going to be in garbage time scenarios. I love the DFS stack of Minshew and Shark uh, in week one. So take that for what you will. But yeah, um, so I, I I don't think the value necessarily goes up. I think it stays the same. Um, Anthony, do you have any other thoughts of that? Well, are we talking about uh, Jack's running backs? No, 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 no. He's asking because of the departure of Fournette, does Shark's value, DJ Shark, does it go up at all? Uh, because he's alluding to, are they he or she? Or they're asking, are they, is it going to become a, more of a pass-happy offense? And to me, again, I think it's a pass-happy offense by default because of the defense. It has nothing to do with if Fournette's there or not. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, 14 games, 470 pass attempts. That's roughly 33.6 a game. I can see him throwing over 500 times, but he can still get there if he plays a full 16 at 33.6 attempts per game. Do I see this team uh, throwing 600 times? No, because they do like Raquel Armstead. And the hype right now is actually on Divino Zigbo. I I think he came over from the Saints uh, at some point uh, during the offseason. They like him in Jacksonville. And just like I'm treating the Buffalo Bills or any other situation, uh, if it's uncertain in the running back room, I'll usually buy the cheapest one, especially if the coaching staff's talking him up. They did say they think Divino Zigbo could be a three-down back. Yeah, they did say that. You can get him for free while Raquel Armstead is climbing up draft boards. Now, listen, we want to let everybody know that um, there is a month of Nitro to be had. Uh, You know, obviously you guys on Discord, you know that that's a perk of being on here that you can have. And we're going to award that to what Anthony and myself deem as the best question. So um, keep it, keep it, keep it high, keep it tight. And uh, we will uh, pick somebody out at some point. Anthony, we're being asked by Fire Jason Garrett again. Wow, we're not even going to give the guy a chance. In, in, in uh, at, I guess it's the Giants, I guess. We're not even going to give him a, sh- a go here. But uh, he wants to know, is Chase Edmonds a realistic threat? May Kenyon Drake second round ADP in overpay? When that's, we haven't heard that much talking about, um, talking about Kenyon Drake. Can Chase Edmonds really hurt that? I think so. And I think a lot of people are buying into Chase Edmonds because his ADP, I'm seeing it fly up to the 10th and even 9th round in PPR leagues. You got to remember when Chase Edmonds had his opportunity last year, albeit it was against the Giants and they had an atrocious run defense, but he absolutely balled out. He won you a week if you started him. And if it wasn't for the injury, would we have seen the Kenyon Drake breakout? Chase Edmonds got hurt the very next game. I think they like both running backs. I'm still going to aggressively draft Kenyon Drake if I can get him early to the mid-second round. I know people are taking him in the back of the first, but I'm not taking Kenyon Drake over Joe Mixon. Remember that one game Chase Edmonds had last year against the Giants? And it was was in New York. It wasn't a great weather game, but he just absolutely balled out. And That's exactly what I'm talking about. If you were smart enough to play him in DFS, you probably won something that week, um, barring the rest of your lineup uh, playing well enough. He was but- the RB1 uh, with 35 PPR points. 
150 right. total yards, I believe, and what? Uh, three touchdowns. Anthony, do you have an Uncle Tony? I probably have about six. Okay. Well, I don't have an Uncle Tony, but maybe this is one of your six Uncle Tonys asking a question here. Um, he says, I feel like Tyler Boyd isn't getting nearly enough talk as a guy who has kept getting better year after year. This is true. I keep reaching for him as my wide receiver three, and every time I do, I feel like I'm stealing him. He's a he's in a prime age and uh, as far as season and getting passes from a player coming off of the most prolific passing season in CFB history, spoiler alert, that being Joe Burrow. Is he undervalued because he's an unsexy athlete, or is he properly related in the 60 to 80 range? Um, he's saying that, you know, is he unreasonably high, uh, higher on him than he than he should be? So, what do you think? You want to help out Uncle Tony here and his thoughts on Tyler Boyd, make him sleep a little bit better at night? Are we buying in is, on Tyler Boyd? Number one, I am buying him, and I'm and I'm buying him because I like the price. But like, this is this is you know something out of your wheelhouse or whatever that uh, whatever that saying is. Uh, competition at the position, the wide mm-hmm. receiver position is so damn deep. Yeah. As much as you want to rank players higher, you can't. Doing the rankings for the Fantasy Pros ECR, you know, the, the wide receiver two tier ends at 24. There's 30 players I want to put into that tier. I can't do it. Right. But I think I, I think on the other end, I think that helps, though, Tony. Maybe you may, uh, Uncle Tony, I should give you the respect and call you uncle. Maybe you don't, you don't need to worry about where it is in which he is ranked. Um, Cause you know what? That works out to your betterment uh, in, in my opinion. I mean, apparently Joe Burrow, you know, this is according to Roto world a couple days ago, he predicted a big season for Tyler Boyd. Uh, that's influential because Burrow is throwing the passes to Tyler Boyd. So that's something to take into account. Um, and then also listen, Anthony, I know you're an AJ green supporter, but AJ green while there's expectations there, maybe he could return to Pro Bowl form. Maybe he cannot. Maybe he could stay healthy. Maybe he cannot. If he can't stay healthy, that's going to help Tyler Boyd. Um, listen, I know that there's been stats in the past in which Boyd's played better with Green on the field. Um, but it, listen, Boyd, if he's in that offense, if Green's not there, he's going to be the main guy. I don't. I'm sorry, T. Higgins supporters. He'll be the main guy. So. I don't think you need to worry about where he's ranked, Tony. I think you're doing just fine. I think if if I would give you any sort of insight, I would tell you to continue to sort of lie in the weeds ADP-wise and grab him at the right time. If that's where the draft is dictating that Tyler Boyd's going to go, then go ahead and get him there. You're getting value before that anyway, so you're better off for it. Anthony, anything else on that? You know, to the initial, you know, question, it's almost like Tyler Boyd, like I mentioned about Leonard Fournette, like maybe if you put Tyler Boyd in a sexier team, but it is the Bengals. And, and I think that does play a role, at least mentally for some people, the team they play on, they, okay, if they're bad, the player's bad. And it's not always the case. And of course you have the analytics and metrics people, nothing against them. I'd like to incorporate everything who do see sure. Tyler Boyd's workout metrics, 37th percentile, 34, 30, 48th, 39th across the board and say you know can't get it done he's not he's not dk metcalf i mean people were knocking dk metcalf because of his agility 
and we're fading him just because of that. Meanwhile, he was a monster everywhere else. So that that that's it all plays a role, even if it's just mental for some people. But I think Tyler Boyd is an outstanding receiver, and I do want a part of this Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver room, whether it's Boyd or, you know, I, I have A.J. Green in a lot of spots because he's falling to me out of value, and I'm buying him anticipating getting a wide receiver two out of him. But there is that fringe RB uh, wide receiver one upside. That's the ceiling for A.J. Green. And the injury risk is built into his price. So I'll, I'll take either one of them – even a John Ross or a T Higgins later. Like if there's a year considering COVID, you might be playing in a league with a bigger bench. Don't just handcuff your running backs. Go buy AJ Green for the ceiling and handcuff him with T Higgins. Now, before we get to another, we're going to discuss Van Jefferson in a moment. I see there's a question here. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I want to go back up to pure gridiron, Anthony. Um, He's asking, is the amount of hype around Calvin Ridley reasonable or is his ceiling limited due to Julio Jones? Anthony, I think this is a great question to ask you because you have talked about this a lot on air. So uh, while I'm going to get up for a moment, I'm going to let you answer this and I'll be right back. Go for it. I lost Mike there for a second, uh, but I, I believe the next question is, do you buy into Van Jefferson and, and the hype he's gotten at camp? Uh, I know he's an older rookie, and many have been low on him this offseason, even though he's not a good uh, – he does not have the draft capital. I got him late in the rookie dynasty draft. I did not expect uh, nearly as much of the hype he's gotten. Uh, my thoughts on Van Jefferson. Listen, I am a Josh Reynolds guy. I liked what Josh Reynolds did uh, with the opportunities he's had. Uh, he capitalized more on those opportunities two years ago. Uh, didn't do a ton last year, but I thought he was going to be almost like the wide receiver three because he's been there. He knows the system. But it seems like Van Jefferson has caught the eye of Sean McVay. Uh, we saw a little bit of Van Jefferson in Hard Knocks. There's some uh, videos of Van Jefferson at practice on Twitter. There's something going on with him and Jared Goff. So, yeah, I'll buy into Van Jefferson. I'm not going to overpay for him, uh, but I'll, I'll buy him at the right price because I do think if there are any struggles, Josh Reynolds is going to be sitting right there uh, because he knows what he's doing already. Now, Anthony, if you can hear me, you hear me, right? Now I do, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what happened. I was going to get to Van Jefferson, but that's fine. You answered the question anyway. I wanted to go back to pure gridiron, asked a question. So I wanted to get to that. Um, so he was asking, is the amount of hype around Calvin Ridley reasonable? Or is the ceiling limited due to Julio Jones? And I think this is, I was saying... I think this is a good question to ask you of all people, because you've talked about this before. You've talked about a ceiling being there because of Julio Jones. Um, you know, we could pull up some ADPs. We could do that in a second. But talk a little bit about that. That question, again, coming from Pure Gridiron. Mike, I, I did lose you there. What was the question again? Lost me again. Son of a gun. Again. Third I told time, you there's a storm going on here. Well, listen, better better that it's your fault than mine. But Calvin Ridley, 
reasonable or is the ceiling limited due to Julio Jones? Oh, I okay. We talk about this a lot on the show. Yep. When you're buying into Calvin Ridley at his current ADP, I feel like you're buying into him because of the potential ceiling, which is wide receiver one. I am on the side of I'm buying into Hunter uh, Hayden Hurst. If you're buying into Hayden Hurst, you probably can't buy into a Ridley breakout. Uh, I also don't think a Ridley breakout is going to happen while Julio Jones is still playing like a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. We have seen no signs of regression from Julio Jones yet. Uh, so between Hayden Hurst and Julio still being Julio, Calvin Ridley, to me, I'm not going to pay his ADP, which is right around that fourth round, maybe a little bit higher. But, I mean, Calvin Ridley, by the way, when we talk about, you know, a potential breakout, so to speak, he is a guy who had 886 yards receiving seven touchdowns last year. So, not exactly a slouch at the wide receiver position. So, I mean, Anthony, like, what do you think that, Folks are projecting and listen again. If you guys are in this chat, if you have thoughts on what you might be projecting for Calvin Ridley, but I mean, 866 yards receiving, seven touchdowns. How high can it go? Look at Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I, I think those are the thoughts that people are having with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Like, look at Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, that tandem. Both right around, you know, you have one higher as a wide receiver one and one in a fringe or a wide receiver one. That's what you're buying into. But again, I, I just don't see it uh, with Calvin Ridley. It seems like Julio Jones is going to command the bulk of the target share. Like, what is Ridley's career high in targets? I don't know if he's gotten to 90. Yeah. And what has changed? Minus Mohamed <laughs> Sanu, whose role is replaceable with, with Gage. And then you have uh, Austin Hooper's vacated targets going to Hayden Hurst, who is a more athletic tight end than Austin Hooper. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, Gage, by the way, uh, from all reports, is having a uh, stellar camp. That's one thing I continue to see. And if, you're, and if you're buying into Todd Gurley, mm -hmm. some people are, I'm not, then, bit. you know, he's going to catch passes too, right? If you're buying into him, you believe that. Yeah. Uh, mm, nah, mm. Uh, to an extent. Well, well, what do you mean? No, well, what I mean by that yeah, is. You're, you're still chasing those 14 touchdowns? I'm not chasing 14 touchdowns. I'm just simply telling you that while I think that he'll be productive in that offense, I'm not taking receptions as a way in which he's going to be productive. I think that he's going to score touchdowns in the red zone. Um, I don't think he's going to eclipse the 14 touchdowns. I don't think he's going to get past that from last year. I do think that he will have to make up for it in the passing game. But I'm not, if I'm picking Todd Gurley, I'm not saying I'm making this pick because I think he'll be well, I uh, think he'll do well in the passing game. That's not something I'm saying to myself. If I'm making that pick, I'm, I've cooled off a little bit on Todd Gurley. I still like him. I don't dislike him as much as you do. But again, to go back to that point, when I'm drafting, I'm not saying I'm taking Dodge Gurley because he's going to be productive in the passing game. I'm saying that I still think that there's production in those legs, and I don't think that Todd Gurley is going to be used by Atlanta like he was with the Rams because I think that now the game has changed on Todd Gurley. The script has been thrown out the window. We now know what Todd Gurley is. He's no longer a back who's going to give you 
300 plus touches. This is a running back who touches will be less, but he's still productive and he could still be productive as long as he's not overused. So I'm just, that's all I'm saying there, Anthony. That's fair. Yeah, beautiful. That's all right. Fair. Yeah, fire Jason Garrett. We could go the rest of the hour on Todd Gurley. So. We could, and we probably will go back to that. So there you go. Um, fire Jason Garrett, again, is back at it. And Anthony, maybe we could talk a little bit about Jason Garrett after this, by the way. But he's got a question here. He's saying Austin Hooper was the tight end six last year in PPR, despite only playing in 13 games. This is true. Does he stand to maintain that level of production with Baker Mayfield under center and David Njoku having reportedly a bad camp? Alternatively, he says Hayden Hurst, actually a viable candidate to fill Hooper's shoes with the Falcons. It's true because he's a better athlete. I've seen his ADP slowly creeping up. Now, I'll say this, Anthony, uh, before I kick it to you. I literally today in an in industry draft with some prominent folks, even I'll throw, I'll, I'll, I'll name drop Anthony. I'll put a name like Justin Boone out there. So Justin Boone, in case you guys don't know, is uh, he basically has a residency at the top of the fantasy pros ECR rankings, the expert rankings. So um, even in a draft with names like that, I still today got Austin Hooper in the 11th round or or maybe even 12th round. And I just think that the hate's gone too far on Austin Hooper. Um, does he maintain that level of being a tight end six? No. But from where he's being drafted, his value is better than that, in my opinion. So I think that there's a new medium that we're going to find in 2020 in regards to Austin Hooper. Um, Anthony. What are your thoughts? Austin Hooper in Cleveland. Again, tight end six last year in PPR, only playing in 13 games. Can he maintain that level of production? Austin Hooper, 7.5 targets per game, 97 targets through the 13 games that he played last year. He played on the number one offense in terms of team pass plays per game at a 2.35 pace. Austin Hooper is not going to see seven and a half targets per game playing in a Kevin Stefanski offense that wants to run the football. They have two running backs that can not only run up between the tackles, but, you know, obviously more so Kareem Hunt. He's going to catch passes out of the backfield. They retain David Njoku. You have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. They're not going to pass as much as Atlanta, so the volume isn't going to be there, which justifies the, re the ADP regression of Austin Hooper. He's touchdown dependent. He is in that Jared Cook category for me right now. Uh, Jared Cook uh, was a productive fantasy tight end last year because he went on a streak of scoring a touchdown or like 70 yards through the second half of the year in all but like one or two games. J uh, Jared Cook was out-targeted by like one or two by Evan Ingram, who played half the season. That's where I see Austin Hooper. He needs to be efficient with the targets that he has, and he's also going to be extremely touchdown dependent. Now, Anthony, while we're waiting for uh, a couple questions to come in, I do want to bring one thing to your attention, Anthony, something that we have discussed on the FFA soft multiple times. It's been a lightning rod of a conversation. Cam Newton was officially named the starter for the New England Patriots. That's right. Life after Tom Brady, he is the starter. Hey, man, 
hate him for days if you want, and I'm not saying you specifically, but anybody. Here he comes, man. What are your thoughts? Cam Newton, I mean, is he one of the big values at the quarterback position in a 12 quarter, in, in, in a, not 12 quarterback, in a 12 team league? Is he a major value at this point? I say yes. Where's the ADP at currently? The ADP, and I'll pull that up as far as PPR formats, which is coming to you from Fantasy Football Calculator. I got to scroll down a little bit. That's because the man is a value. He is currently going past Josh Allen, past Carson Wentz, past Matthew Stafford. Actually, after Matthew Stafford, the buck stops there. With the first pick in the 11th round goes Cam Newton. After Cam Newton, there is Daniel Jones, who you and I are both high on. So, sandwiched between Matthew Stafford and Daniel Jones is Cam Newton, the now starter for the New England Patriots. What are you thinking? If Cam plays like Cam, he still has his legs. I think Cam is going to be effective because he's a player who never had this great cast of pass catchers and you're going to New England and they do not have a great cast of pass catchers. They're they're so bad Mohamed Sanu couldn't make that team. Their best guy mm. is a 35-ish year old Julian Edelman who began uncharacteristically dropping passes in crucial points of the game last year and Keel Harry looks like a bust. Two rookie tight ends. The running back room looks pretty good. The offensive line is going to be pretty good, but this is going to be Cam's offense. Um, So, yeah, I'll buy into Cam in fantasy, but if you want to talk, like, where do I think that record's going to be? They're a 500 team. Yeah, sure, but I'm talking about for fantasy. Okay, so fantasy, Fantasy sure. Do you want to buy him? Do I want to buy Cam in a single quarterback league? By QB1, I'm going to say absolutely not. In a super flex, I'll buy in the camp. But in a single quarterback league, I, I'm not he, I'm not going to draft Cam uh, without drafting a, a second quarterback as insurance. Fair enough. I I don't mind the drafting a second quarterback for insurance. I can I can go with that. That's but, fine. The, but the other issue is, do I want to carry a second quarterback because of the deep player pool and this waste that roster spot? That all to me so that, that all will depends. deter me from going to Cam to Daniel Jones or somebody um, like that. I could see the Daniel Jones, and that's fine. But to me, it also would go to the roster construction standpoint. How's your roster looking at that point? How 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 have you drafted? Now, really quick, Anthony, two fact checks here quickly. Uh, one fact check: Julian Edelman will turn thirty-five on May twenty-second. So uh, mark your calendars for the uh, former Kent State, the, the pride of Kent State. Um, but also, another fact check, Nikhil Harry doesn't look like a bust. He is a bust. So uh, I'm just going to put that out there, and people can eat on that. They can chew on that and do whatever they want with that. Next question comes from... Nikhil Harry had three highlights from his rookie season. One was a touchdown mm-hmm. that beat my Cowboys, and the other two came in the preseason. Right. So That's we have my quick- thoughts on Nikhil Harry. We have a question here from Mon Cal, and this, to me, might be my favorite question so far because it says, are there any players that you have a gut feeling about, but the numbers just don't support that feeling? And, Anthony, I'll give you the floor in a moment, but if I got to go with a guy, again, we just wrapped up the FF face-off uh, where we had a show and we discussed this player. 
I got to go with Jarek McKinnon as a player that I'm feeling good about. I've got a gut feeling about, so to speak. Um, but clearly the numbers don't, don't, don't allow for that because the man has barely played in the last few years. He hasn't played at all. So sign that contract was in a bit, was, uh, was the beneficiary of a bidding war between the Buccaneers and the 49ers years ago. Outside, tore his knee just before the season started. And now, finally, back in camp, good to go. There's been no setbacks of any kind whatsoever. You haven't seen anything about needing to give McKinnon a rest. McKinnon felt a tweak. Nothing to that effect. McKinnon is ready to go. And here's the deal. 49ers pass catching running backs. Anthony, could you remember roll the clock back to when McKinnon was first signed by the 49ers? Remember how high that ADP was, like fourth round, insanely high? I paid it. Yeah. Now <laughs> you paid it. But now you can get him at such a late value. And the 49ers need a pass catching running back. And Jarek McKinnon is that pass catch running back. So that's a guy, while the numbers don't support it because there are no numbers, NA not available. I'm buying into Jarek McKinnon in 2020. Anthony, is there a player for you? You can answer Mon Cal. Any players that you have a gut feeling about, but the numbers just don't support it? Yeah, there's two. Uh, one of them is Evan Ingram. And the numbers mm -hmm. kind of do support it. And I can say the numbers support you for Jarek McKinnon because what he did a couple of years ago in Minnesota, finishing as a PPR RB17 as a primary receiving back with Latavius Murray handling the in-between-the-tackles work. But with Evan Ingram, this is a guy who can't stay healthy. But when he is, I believe Evan Ingram is in that top three conversation in terms of range of outcome. Uh He's like a, a, a wide receiver on the field. I believe if he plays 16 games or even 14 games, he's the Giants' leading receiver in terms, you know, maybe across the board. Heavily targeted throughout his career, and now you bring in an offensive coordinator like Jason Garrett, who through Jason Garrett's tenure as offensive coordinator and head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Witten was uh, one of the better fantasy tight ends, Hall of Fame caliber NFL tight end. Uh, and I think he's going to do wonders for this offense, especially Evan Ingram, if Evan Ingram will stay on the field. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And and you know me, I have a problem with uh, off often injured players, but I don't hate that. So, um, listen, we're getting, but by the way, Moncal, we can put this out there. He is the leader in the clubhouse in regards to best question of the night. Anthony, I didn't even consult you on that. I'm just saying it. So I'm sure you don't mind. But Uncle Tony's back, Anthony. One of your six Uncle Tony's is back with a question. Um, does the arrival of Kubiak signal a chance for the Vikings to speed up the offense, which is a very good question because Kirk Cousins' pass, um, pass attempts fell very far from 2018 to 2019. So um, he's read some blurbs about Kubiak giving more quick read plays to the offense. So, Anthony, what are your thoughts there? You know, does it help guys like Jefferson, Irv Smith, um, what do we think? Do we think that there could be a happy medium between past attempts with Kirk Cousins from 2018 to 2019? 
I think we could potentially see a little bit of an increase, but this is Dalvin Cook's offense. This is what they want to do. Kirk Cousins is at his best when he could operate out of a play action. Uh, That's why he's so efficient. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. He's smart with the football. And if you protect Kirk Cousins, he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and I think they're going to continue to do so and employ uh, Dalvin Cook as the main part of the offense. But as far as like the wide receiver too, uh, I, I don't want any part of it. I'm not taking shots on on Jefferson because the ADP is a little bit high right now. And then there's BC Johnson. Maybe you can get him cheap, but there's other guys like a Chris Conley I'd rather get as my Mister Irrelevant. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, and I, Anthony, you know this. I'm a huge supporter of Justin Jefferson, but um, given the recent headlines with the training camp, I will not pay that cost right now. I will just stand by and watch and hope that it pans out. Um, I do think we find a happy medium, though. Again, with Kirk Cousins in those pass attempts, 606 in 2018, 444 last year. I do think we get around 500 or so. So keep an eye on that. But, yes, I do think I think do think do Gary Kubiak does help things in Minnesota. Um, you know, he did want us to follow up and ask – if we believe the case, is Irv Smith the perfect tight end to grab if you punt the position? I say no um, on Irv Smith. And to me, that's not a discount on Irv Smith and who he is. That's 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 a that speaks to the volume of the tight ends that they have there. I mean, not tight ends that they have there, the tight ends that you have in your draft. When you get when you get late in the draft, you have the Chris Herndons of the world, you have the Blake Jarmans of the world. You have all these other tight ends. I mean, how far are you punting the position that you're going to go with an Irv Smith? That's a very far punt by my estimation. That's a punt even farther than Andy Lee could have done in San Francisco. So, Anthony, I mean, what are your thoughts on And by the way, he has to compete with Kyle Rudolph. I know people, Irv Smith supporters, want to wish Kyle Rudolph away. He's still there in that offense. And by the way, might be a good DraftKings play in week one. Anthony... Is Irv Smith the perfect tight end to grab if you punt the position? Of no, and I punt the position a lot. You do. And I usually, when I punt, I want two tight ends because I'm going to stream. I'm going to hope one pops. I usually like uh, trying for a volume, you know, a Dallas Goddard, Blake Jarwin, and, and a Jack Doyle. Give me two of those three. But let's say, you know what, I want a ceiling play. So I'll draft one of those three. And sure, you can take Irv Smith if you believe the volume's going to come uh, with, you know, because he's an efficient and he's a versatile tight end and he's athletic. So yeah, he just needs the volume. So go grab your stability tight end that's going to give you, or at least you can project the volume to these guys. Uh, a Doyle who's had triple digit targets a couple years ago. Goddard had 87 last year. That's with Zach Ertz having his uh, 130 plus. And, and then there's Blake Jarwin who only needs 50% of Jason Witten's target share from last season to get to 80 plus targets. And then, okay, yeah, oh, Irv Smith, sure. You can do the same thing with a Will Disley, another high-ceiling play. O.J. Howard, mm-hmm. if he pops with Brady, another high-ceiling play. But most of the time, I'd rather go with the, I don't want to say sure thing, but where I can project these 80-plus targets to these tight ends, not an Irv Smith who's splitting time with Kyle Rudolph. And whether you like it or not, Kyle Rudolph is there, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he is either. Now, again... Fire Jason Garrett again. 
is very active. And uh, fire Jason Garrett again. If you could, Mike, uh, after this question, uh, yeah. if you want to scroll up to the top, there are some questions that uh, have been there, I guess, for a couple of days that need to be addressed. Couple of days, what the heck? All well, right, they, well, they announce us and then they start getting questions ahead of time. That's how these well, AMAs work. Well, now I'm just flattered, but all right, we will get to the go, we will get to those. But I thought that this one was prevalent. And by the way, Anthony, we'll we'll keep this uh rocking as long as they let us, as long as we can answer those questions up top. Um, Mark Ingram, fourth round ADP, J.K. Dobbins, sixth round ADP, Mar Jackson, second round ADP. What piece of this offense? is the most valuable at their ADP. Say that again again. You you went out again. My goodness, Anthony. Which of, as far as Mark Ingram, which going in the fourth round ADP-wise, J.K. Dobbins in the sixth, Lamar Jackson in the second, which piece of that offense is most valuable at their ADP? I'll say this because I don't even know if you heard me. I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins being – I'll say this. Mark Ingram to me is a running back that if you get to the point in which you're getting to that cliff where it's going to fall off and you can miss out on some top-tier running backs, Mark Ingram is one of those guys who does serve a purpose. Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, guys guys of that ilk um, are values, yes, because once it gets past that point, you're in – Tricky waters, but J.K. Dobbins, the sixth round ADP, what encourages me is the headline that we saw from John Harbaugh saying that he is going to be very active in this offense, and I think that there's room for him to be active. So um, I think to me, the, the, the running backs are the most valuable at their ADP. Lamar Jackson, this isn't obviously to say that, uh, sure, there'll be some regression with touchdown passes, There'll be an uptick in interceptions, but I just, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to pay up for, unless I'm doing best ball, I don't pay up for a Lamar Jackson or a Pat Mahomes. Um, if I ever do in mock drafts, I don't love the way in which my roster turns out. So I'm going to exclude Lamar Jackson. And I'll say both those running backs are, are, you know, valuable at their ADP. Yeah, you know, I've been buying more and more and more into J.K. Dobbins this entire offseason. All of the hype coming from training camp that not only is he impressing, but he has a role locked into this offense. We know Mark Ingram is aging uh, dynasty-wise. J.K. Dobbins, he is a player that could potentially be a big-time running back in fantasy next year. Uh, but I think he's going at his current ADP, right where he should be. And I think the ceiling is there. If Mark Ingram goes down, J.K. Dobbins, you know, we could see almost like a, I don't want to, like, is, is a Miles Sanders situation from last year a good comp here? Or maybe to a lesser form? Probably a lesser form, because um, I think that Mark Ingram, with all due respect to uh, Jordan Howard, he, he's a better running back. So um, I think we need to take that into account. So. Um, but Anthony, I can scroll up some more here if you'd like. Here we go. Wow, look at all these questions. My goodness. All right. So here we go. We've got a question from Din Galberry. What do you guys believe is the most logically fallacy logical fallacy associated with fantasy football? 
And why is that stacking quarterbacks and wide receivers, tight ends matter? Well, um, I think that stacking quarterbacks and wide receivers, tight ends matters a lot in DraftKings. I'm doing, you know, in DFS, I'm doing a lot of studies um, about how often those players finish in the top 25 players of the same team that you can stack. And I mean, I can tell you in week one alone, you had five combos of a quarterback and a wide receiver that were in a stack that finished in the top 25 and points scored that paid off for you. So to me, it matters there. I think that if you're talking about in redraft, I think that gets to be a little bit of a slippery slope. Um, I'll, 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 I'll talk about the fallacy because I don't really incorporate the stacking as a fallacy. If I had to go with a fallacy, which Anthony, in case you're not aware, it's a mistaken belief. Everyone based on unsound argument. And to me, Anthony, I think we're going to be one of the same here, my man. It's the infatuation on Twitter with rookie players. All rookie players are supposedly going to be the greatest of all time. All rookie players are going to push players that do well the year prior are going to just shove them out of the way because they're a rookie player who played well in college. And therefore, they must be the greatest. They measured so well. They jumped so high. They ran so far. They said all the right things. They passed the wonder lick. So therefore, they must be great in year one. And I think that that's sort of a mistaken belief. I, I, I don't buy into that. I don't. I hate it. I, I hate it. Flat out, I hate it. And I, and, and I think that it, the only way in which that's a benefit to others like me is that folks buy too much into a rookie's ADP. And I benefit and grab other veterans later like a Jamison Crowder. And I just laugh my way to the bank. Anthony, any thoughts about that? The biggest logical fallacy associated with fantasy football yeah i'm gonna agree with yours with you with the whole rookie stuff right because i i, I get it um they're new they're exciting uh but you know a lot of times like look devin singletary was new and exciting last year people love devin singletary now they want to push devin singletary out the door for zach moss he's a new shiny toy that's a great example uh, of your narrative mike yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, and that's so that and that's a great question by Din Galberry. Um, Anthony, do do we call do we call Din Galberry the leader in the clubhouse or what? I would say so. And to add to that, another thing: um, if you play in a league and you have to start a kicker in a defense. Treat it like every other position. Don't overdraft it. Like, don't take, uh, you know, the 49ers in the fifth round. But don't just, like, wait until the last round and take what it gets. So I'm going to stream, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the cool guy. Like, no. If it counts towards points, do the research. Draft the right players. There's kicker data, kicker data, and, and there's defense special teams data, and there's IDP data. Like, treat it all like it matters. Perfect. Perfect. Great question. I'm glad. I'm glad we glad we uh, scrolled up here. Um, not my level wants to know. Does COVID nineteen affect any of the players that you draft? 
do you proceed with caution on some people just because of health concerns? Just some names to give you an idea. So he mentioned guys like Mark Andrews, obviously with the diabetes. Um, Tyra Lockett had, does have a history of heart problems. So I, at this point in the game, man, not my level. I'm I'm just I'm drafting as if an NFL season's happening. And I've got to be honest, I'm not incorporating a lot of health history in into it. Um, maybe that's irresponsible, but I'm just not. I mean, Mark Andrews, by the way, just for what it's worth, um, just because you you provided him as an example, I'm I'm not drafting Mark Andrews a lot because I'm not big. If I go a top tier tight end in this year's drafts, I'm going with Kelsey. I'm going with Kittle. If I don't, I'm backtracking and waiting till very late on tight end. Anthony is a big proponent of waiting late on tight end as well. So I doubt he's going to be able to agree with that, but uh, at, at least with the drafting of Mark Andrews, but Anthony, what are your thoughts, man? Is COVID it's very relevant in this world, but is it affecting the way in which you draft? No, because COVID, right? Like uh, I've had this question come up at, at, a, at a local draft. Like, uh, well, should we have a rule in case a player gets COVID uh, and, and then I have them going on Monday night and I can't pick? Like, what if a player gets into a car accident? What if a player gets suspended in the morning of a game? You treat it like everything else. And no, it's not changing the way I, I, I draft. Like Ezekiel Elliott um, had COVID already. I'm still ranking him, not like ranking him as my running back one over Christian McCaffrey because he had COVID. I'm still taking him, at, you know, at the three spot, the four spot. Absolutely. I, I, you know, a guy like Mark Andrews, I like Mar Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews is a guy I'm buying into a little bit more. I, I think we could see additional targets. Uh, I like that he is the pseudo wide receiver one uh, on the Baltimore Ravens, and he has that rapport. With um with Lamar Jackson already, so if he falls to a little bit of a value, like he's the third tight end off the board, if I can get him in the fourth round, maybe even the fifth, if he falls and people aren't drafting tight ends, yeah, I'll I'll grab a Mark Andrews, but I'm not I'm not gonna you know completely punt him because of the issue. He would have opted out already. They had the opportunity to opt out and whatever agreement and not affect their contractual status. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. Well, I, I like it. Now, Anthony, listen, we're, we're, we're having, uh, you know, we are coming up on an hour, but I would like to keep it going a little bit longer since we didn't get all these questions up top. Um, so as long as it's okay with you, man, we can keep rocking for a little bit longer. Yeah, you. let's go. All right. There you go. Um, as my wife gives me a look, she probably doesn't like that. We're going to go longer, but that's okay. She understands. So here we go. Now, which mode of fantasy football? This is coming from C Biscuit. Now, now it's C Biscuit. So I don't think it's C Biscuit as in the horse for you uh, horse racing aficionados. But be that as it may, which mode of fantasy football do you consider to be the most advanced level? Auction and keepers, and dynasty and best ball. Um, you know, sub subsequently. What is the most, the easiest, or the least skillful? Well, I'll answer this, and then I'll kick it to Anthony. I mean, the 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 easiest or the least skillful would probably be standard. Um, standard leagues to me are the soft porn of fantasy football. Um, it requires little to no knowledge, as far as I'm concerned. You're literally, I 
whatever. There's sure there's strategy in all drafts, but to me, being a standard just takes all just takes so much out of roster construction and strategizing your path. But to me, as far as what do I consider to be most advanced, I'm probably gonna go with auction. Um, I think dynasty is a very much a one A. But auction to me, when you get people that are in their first year of auctions, they have a very hard time. They only have a $200 budget. Do you leave money on the table? Do you spend it all? Do you blow it on all on CMC right away? Um, so to me, auction, because Anthony, you and I, one thing that we didn't mention at the top, we work with Fantasy Football King, which, you know, we help you with your league the whole year or we could just do your draft for you i find a lot of folks come to us with auction league uh requests and i love drafting auction leagues i love i had a guy who came to me and said it's the first year that they're doing auction leagues and i made every single person at large at everything waste all their money and you could and, and if you're experienced in auctions you can take advantage of them so that's what I consider to be most advanced would be auctions. But Anthony, um, would auction be most advanced for you or would it be dynasty or what? Best ball is also listed as an option. I just don't consider that very advanced, but what says you? Uh, hmm. You can make a case for, for any of the ones listed. You can throw DFS in there, but if we're, if we're sticking to like season long, um, I, I'd have to say dynasty, you know, because okay. dynasty with all the nuances, you can have salary cap and, and stuff like that. Um, it gets pretty technical, you know, trading draft picks. How do you value this pick versus this player? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, dynasty is difficult for me, you know, and I, and, and this is what we do. Yeah, no, Dynasty is is a bit of a, a slippery slope. It's a bit of a tricky one. And uh, yeah, so that's why I wanted to give that an honorable mention. But to me, it's just, it's auction. Because especially with the draft, I just think it's a very much a deer in headlights scenario. Because Anthony, the other thing about Dynasty. I, I, I kill a lot of drafts, so. You and I, though, you and I approach a lot of Dynasty drafts saying that we're drafting to win that year. We're not drafting to invest for um, you know five years down the road we're we're, we're, we're gonna win now i start i sound like artist worse thinking now do it now but i went ahead and we did a dynasty draft and i took ezekiel elliott and derrick henry the first two picks then i took julio jones with the third pick why i want to win now cut the foreplay i don't want to wait two years to win i want to win right now so i think i'm with you on that you know, yeah. we draft similar. Like, I, I don't draft. Uh, I, I don't overdraft rookies, and I don't try to keep my roster under twenty four years old. And you know, try to build and win tomorrow, and and dump my. Now, I, I can see if I'm in a situation uh, in year two or three, and I need to blow it up. I get yeah. it. But right. in a startup, I'm. I, I'll usually try to have a good mix of young players because, listen, veterans fall to a, a, an incredible value. Yeah, agreed. All right, like I feel like I'm at an advantage if I punt quarterback. Nobody's taking Tom Brady. I'm looking at Brady. I'm going to get one year. 
if I'm if I'm lucky, I'll get two, and then I'll come back later and, and maybe go get a Jameis Winston, and 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 then build, you know, because we play in deep ass dynasty leagues too, where we can do this, and I can roster four quarterbacks, and I'm getting a Jameis Winston, and okay, Carson Wentz has a history, I'll draft Jalen Hurts, and then okay, my pick next year, it's a big quarterback class. I'll go get one of those quarterbacks, and if I have to reach in a rookie draft or trade up, oh, I'll, I'll go get Lawrence. Yeah. All right. Let's answer about uh, two or three more questions, probably three, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Smitty's hot take. By the way, we should just say that Dan Galberry is still the leader in the clubhouse in regards to questions, but Smitty's hot takes S. How worried are you about players in new situations, such as? Rookies and incoming free agents struggling to adjust to their new teams with this limited offseason. Again, we're living in a COVID world, Anthony. So um, I'll just say this. To me, I'm not incredibly worried. I mean, again, we talked about how we did the mental health potathon with Hayden Hurst. And Hayden Hurst was a guy who drove back and forth from Jacksonville to Atlanta several times to try and help himself get acclimated to Matt Ryan, um, you know, for Matt Ryan to get acclimated to him. Um, so, you know, so there, there was some behind the scenes work being done that we may not have known about. Um, a lot of, you know, zoom meetings, a lot of this, a lot of that. And some rookies can rise above some cannot. Like we look at a Zach Moss who is in a situation in which Devin Singletary is falling flat in his face and Zach Moss looks good in camp. So this abbreviated offseason or whatever it is, not affecting him much, but maybe it is a Justin Jefferson. I just think it's a new level of looking at things. I don't think you really need to adjust the way you assess things very much. Anthony, you know, is this, you know, are you worried about players in new situations? Are you avoiding players in new situations because they're on new teams and because this is a different offseason? Um, I, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking it to an account. Yeah. But right. I, again, but... I, my, I draft for value. Mike, you, you know how I draft. Uh, nobody is off the table, even if it's a player I'm completely down on. But if they fall to the right price and it makes sense to take them with my roster construction, I'm going to roll with it. Like, I don't pay a lot of attention to bye weeks. I'm not going to take a player of less value because they have the same bye week. Like, if I have, I, like, in the last draft I, I did, it was, you know, I don't, it shows how much I don't pay attention to it. One of the, one of the league mates, this is in a local league, kept bitching, like, you pay attention to your bye weeks. And I'm like, dude, I'll worry about my, my, my jumbled bye weeks when I'm nine and oh and, and, and week 10 and 11 come. I'll figure it out. Right. Because I'm getting the best players and building my roster uh, the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Anthony. Like Christian, McCa Christian McCaffrey, his bye week, isn't it the uh, – or I don't know if it's McCaffrey or, or the Buccaneers. Maybe it's both. Their bye week is on the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Are you not going to draft Christian McCaffrey 101? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I know. That makes sense. Um the, a question by Tart, which could be a contender for the leader in the clubhouse. We'll see what your thoughts are. What player do your opinions differ on the most? 
What do you think, Anthony? What player uh, do our opinions differ on the Josh most? I mean, Jacobs and Miles Sanders. Oh, unless, unless you've come to the, the you know the dark side. Mm. I have not, and and that's not the dark side. I'm on the dark side, and I am with Josh Jacobs. And I, I, I listen. You look at what Jacobs was able to do last year. And he was able to do it in a season in which he did not play a full 16 games. This is a team in the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders, not the LA Raiders, but the Las Vegas Raiders that is going to want to use the running back. One sole running back. Sure. They'll get production from other guys, but Jacobs is the main guy. Jacobs had said that he won 60 receptions. That's a bit ambitious as far as I'm concerned. I still think the receptions go up. And I think that as long as the reception, if the receptions are there, and if Jacobs plays a full 16 games, and looking at the yards that he got last year, to me, he has the upper hand of Miles Sanders. Sorry. And by the way, we're looking at Miles Sanders now, walking around with a lower leg injury. So... What does that mean? Is it precaution at this point? Is it going to be okay for week one? Or is there more than meets the eye? And do, do they need to go back more? Despite what Deuce Staley says, running back coach there in Philadelphia, do they need to go back to more of an RBBC until Miles Sanders is good to go for a majority of the of the workload? Much like Deuce Staley has... Uh, kind of alluded to so no i'm still on the jacobs camp and yeah that's probably what we differ on the most and you know what screw you anthony <laughs> what are your thoughts well whether you like the narrative or not the raiders have a lot of mouths to feed oh god they're not just dis- they're not kansas city mouths they are not no. cowboys mouths but mm. there are a lot of question marks in in the mouths to feed with the hunter renfro rugs first round receiver uh mm. edwards getting a ton of hype they brought in nelson aguilar some speed uh, you know, they brought how many pass catching running backs in? Like nine? Lynn Bowden, uh, the rookie, Theo Riddick. They have Booker. They extended Richard. Where are all these additional receptions and, and targets coming from? I, I, yeah, I hear you. That's why I think 60 is ambitious, but. I still think that we can see an uptick in what we saw last year from Josh Jacobs. So, I, you know, that's that's it. I think Josh Jacobs is going to catch more passes. That's it. And I think that that alone, in playing 16 games, will make him more fantasy relevant than Miles Sanders. I mean, Miles last... Sanders has the ceiling. Sure, Miles Sanders got... is now on an offense who are down two starting offensive linemen. Right, they are that, da- like their their wide receiver room is in question. Oh my God. Miles Sanders is going to have to catch the football, and he's going to catch a lot of footballs. So maybe they limit his touches a little bit because they want to preserve him. But he's going to catch a lot of passes. You even you just want said- me to pull up the Pro Football Focus stats on, on deep passes? Miles no, Sanders deep passes to a running back. I don't care about that. You you oh, even oh, just okay. said you even just said two down offensive linemen. So you're right, right away which is going to force them to pass the football more, which is more PPR opportunity for Miles Sanders. Right, but what is he doing on the running game? What is he doing on the running game then? And 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 if we're gonna go ahead and if we're gonna get production 
from Josh Jacobs in the rushing, and there's an uptick in the receiving game. And if we're going to rely on Miles Sanders getting a lot of targets because of injuries to the offensive line and because of injuries at the wide receiver position, where are those carries coming from? He still needs those carries. Miles Sanders is not a wide receiver. All of his production cannot come from receiving. Listen, this do is you not think, what it is. Do you he, think Josh Jacobs is as good as Derrick Henry? Because that's how good he has to be to outperform no. Miles Sanders. Because not, if, no. if, if Josh that's Jacobs a, is Nick Chubb. No, that's a, that's a stupid statement to make. Why? Because, no, he's not better than Derrick Henry overall, but he doesn't have to be because he's going to get more receptions than Derrick. He's going to get more receptions than Derrick Henry. He will get more. Uh, uh, and I'll I'm bet you any- get more receptions than Derrick Henry. Well, uh, so, but why give me that example? So why give me that example that because, he has to be as good as Derrick Henry? Because of the receiving floor, because of the receiving, uh, the, the lack of a receiving ceiling for Josh Jacobs. Okay, who who asks this question? Because you win. Whoever asks this question, you win the whole nitro bit, and you know <laughs> you you have a good time with that, and you know. Oh, I, I gotta look something up. Yeah, you go ahead. You you look up whatever you want, and I'm gonna tell you now. Here, I mean, Derrick Henry last year had 18 receptions. Oh, that's what I, that's what I'm looking at. Josh, Josh Jacobs had 20. Now listen, Ooh, while while dominant. we think that. Okay, that's not what I'm suggesting, so you can do that if you want. But while I think that the 60 receptions that Josh Jacobs alluded to that he wants, well, I think that's a little bit ambitious. I Again, I've told you, if I, I think we can add another 25 receptions onto that. I think he can get another 25. Can he get the 60? No. But can he get another 25? Yes. Do we see Derrick Henry getting another 25 and now I know the reports out of Tennessee. I've watched some stuff with the offensive coordinator out there in Tennessee. Derrick Henry has been working on the receiving game. But no, Josh Jacobs is going to finish with more receptions than Derrick Henry. So that's a stupid statement to make. Derrick Henry, uh, to me, Miles Sanders needs to, the pressure is more so on Miles Sanders than it is on Josh Jacobs. That's it, because Josh Jacobs is going to get the carries. 242 carries last year, and that was in 13 games played. So the carries are going to be there if he plays in if he plays in 16 games. Miles Sanders played in 16 games last year. Do you want to know how many carries he got? Anthony, you want to know? Yeah. He, got a, he got 179. He got 170. But how many did he get in the second half? Because you forget about Jordan Howard. Was commanding no. those carries till he got hurt. I don't forget. I don't forget about Jordan Howard. Roy. Meanwhile, you know the whole year, well. Josh Jacobs was the guy. Uh, Michael Sanders, the guy for half a year, split in time. Is, the first. This makes no. It just. I don't understand. Okay, Miles Sanders is in a RBBC. We need to find out who asked this question because you win. Just again, whatever. Who cares? Um, Miles Sanders is still in an RBBC mm. committee. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with an RBBC. Now, that's not to say that Miles Sanders is going to be getting, you know, just a little bit more carries than Boston Scott. I understand he's going to get more of a workload than a Boston Scott. But 
he's still in that sort of offense that's going to rotate running backs. He's also currently nursing a lower leg injury. Josh Jacobs is healthy, good to go. The shoulder is healed. I mean, if you're a Miles Sanders supporter, you're hoping, right, Anthony? You're hoping for 242 carries. You won't get it. I don't think a Miles, I don't think Miles Sanders sees 250 carries. You're hoping for that number. Now you need to also rely on the 63 targets to 50 receptions. And you have to also hope that Josh Jacobs does not have an uptick in those receptions. And again, for the umpteenth time, Miles Sanders played in 16 games. Josh Jacobs played in 13. Right. And, and half of those games where he had, especially in the first half with Jordan Howard, there were four games where he saw single digit carries. Jordan Howard goes down, go 10, 11, 12. All of a sudden, week 13, week 14, week 15, uh, week 16, he had at least 15 carries a game. Uh, so, uh, and then he also had at least 21 and a half fantasy points in three out of four of those games that he was getting the carries and getting the receptions and they were treating him like, uh, as what I like to say, as close as a three down back that we will see out of a Doug Peterson offense. Give him the ball. He goes off. Okay. Well, we're going to agree to disagree, but to answer the question which I have to scroll up to see who was asked that question. That's what we disagree on the most, Anthony. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, and we could probably oh, do that for so days. Three, those three games where they gave him all those cameras, three out of the four, where he had at least 20 and a half, 21 and a half fantasy points, he finished as an RB7 or better in each of those games. I'm going to say now, Anthony, we're going to go on to, because I want to go, it's 9.53 now. I want to give this seven more minutes. So we'll answer one more question, and then we're going to run. Um, that's Eastern Standard Time, by the way. But I will just say, regardless of whatever question that comes, it could be a biblical, a massive proportion question. Tart is the winner of the, uh, what's that, the month of Nitro, um, or however they're figuring that out. So, um, that's our winner. Tart is our winner. He asked the question yesterday, so he was one of the ones who was first in line. So I'm glad we scrolled up for that, Anthony. We had a great combo, and we can let that bleed into, um, you know, our FFA Soft podcast, which we should remind folks that if they're enjoying this AMA, they should definitely check out our FFA Soft podcast, which, again, yep. you can catch literally everywhere. Periscope, YouTube, podcast format. Every podcast format is available. Um, go ahead, Anthony. I was going to say, I know he played in a few less games, but you know how many RB7 or better weeks uh, Josh Jacobs had? He had four. One more than Miles Sanders. One more sure. than Miles Sanders had in a four-game stretch. I'm just telling you that at the end of the year, Josh Jacobs will be a better fantasy football running back than Miles Sanders. Maybe in standard. I don't even know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> D-backs Freak 26 is asking, what is the range that you typically try to take a tight end or a QB in? Now, Anthony, depending on how long our answers are, 
this may or may not be our last question or maybe our second, the last question. But um, to me, I will speak to QBs and then Anthony will speak to tight ends because Anthony is the king of tight ends and drafts. Um, QB for me, I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I'm not getting the Pat Mahomes unless I'm in best ball format. I'm not getting Pat Mahomes. I'm not getting Lamar Jackson. And it's not because I don't, it's not because I don't think that they'll be productive. Clearly they'll be productive. Um, I just don't love the way my rosters always turn out. If I go with those guys and redrafts or I had to formulate a lineup each and every week, best ball is a different story. So um, as far as quarterbacks, I'm waiting till a little bit later. Maybe, maybe I'll get a little bit froggy and I'll go for a Dak Prescott. Who's a third quarterback off the board. If I love the way in which the first few rounds turned out, maybe, but beyond that, I'm going to wait. I'm going to go for a Cam Newton. I'm going to go for a Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. Anthony mentioned earlier a Daniel Jones, I think, is a prime guy to be productive in fantasy. So, um, you know, wait until later. Wait until later. Again, let's not forget the narrative has been held held true for years. A tight end is very – sorry, quarterback is very deep. Anthony, I said tight end because you are now going to speak to tight end. So what's what's the range that you typically try to take a tight end in your redrafts? Um, it, it depends. If uh, I find myself more recently, if I'm picking, uh, you know, if I get the running back I want in the first round, sometimes I'll come back around and go get a Travis Kelsey uh, to get that edge. I don't have to worry about tight end for a very long time, if at all, for the rest of the draft. But nine times out of ten, I am drafting my tight end in the double-digit rounds. And like I had mentioned earlier, I usually like going for any two of the three of a, a Dallas Goddard, a Jack Doyle, and a Blake Jarwin. Now, if a guy falls out of value, in the in the in the single digit rounds, right? Let's say Evan Ingram, a guy who I believe has top three tight end upside if he starts all four, you know fourteen to sixteen games, um, and he falls, let's say to the eighth round, ninth round, because people are scared to draft him. How can I not draft him? Same thing with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is going extremely high right now, um, but mm-hmm. I will kind of stray from my strategy. And go grab Hayden Hurst if he falls a round or two. Yeah. All right. You know, normally I like to wait. Yeah. And then you can exactly. even and if you if you wait and you miss, you can stream the position. Guys like Tyler Eifert aren't even going. Uh, they're 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 undrafted players, and Tyler Eifert works in the Jay Gruden offense. They play. You know, he they, he played under uh, Gruden in Cincinnati. Jay Gruden produces quality fantasy tight ends between Tyler Eifert and even a Jordan Reed uh, with the Washington or the formerly the Washington Redskins. All right. The artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Now, Andy, Will, we will, will Disley finishes a tight end one in almost every game that he yeah. plays. When's he going to play? When's he going to play? Yeah, sure. All right. So you can stream. You're a good stream. So that's one of those positions where you can always stream if you have to. I'd much rather play the streaming game with the tight end position than a quarterback position. All right. Anthony, let's end it with one last question. And uh, let's end it with a bit of a fun one, in my opinion. Um, This is from Dinkin Flicka. So 
stinking flicker. Um, he wants to know what is your favorite 2019 bold take um, from before the season that either came true or you face planted on. Anthony, I'll take the lead on this, and you know where I'm going. I'm going to go with the face planner one because I believe that while a lot of people on fantasy football Twitter are not accountable for what they screw up on, I am very accountable. I take pride in being accountable. I like to know that I'm not Teflon. I'm wrong just like everybody else. Um, I still have a bit of knowledge. It helps me. But one thing I absolutely, epically face planted on which would be a meme that would last for years, would have been my love for the Cleveland Browns in 2019. Oh, flat on my face. Loved Baker Mayfield, invested in that, what, fifth quarterback taken off the board that year. Um, I had them pick to go to the AFC Championship. I loved Odell Beckham, which again, Odell Beckham, though, maybe deserves a pass. He was dealing with the core injury, but... I fell flat on my face with my prediction for the Cleveland Browns as a whole. So there you go. So that's mine. I face planted on it and I, I have a little uh, PTSD. I'm still a little bit worried about, you know, trusting Cleveland Browns players. Um, so there's that. Anthony, is there a 2019 bold take that you either that you called that either came true or that you face planted on. And by the way, Anthony, I, I, I called myself out for the Browns cause I knew that if I didn't, you would. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, that was one I was absolutely right on uh, something I was yeah. wrong on. Um, Damian Williams. I bought mm. heavily into Damian Williams. Like I was drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the first and then coming back and getting Damian Williams thinking I was going to roll. And Damian Williams, you know, between injuries and he doesn't really play like the player in, you know, September, October and November that he that, that he plays in December and January where he looks like a completely different running back. Uh, so I completely face planted on, on Damian Williams and even going back and Mike, you know, this the year before that was just sheer bad luck with Jarek McKinnon in the second round. And the year before yeah, that, yeah. I was I, I bit heavily into Ty Montgomery. So I have a bad luck streak picking second round running backs. All right. Well, there you go. So Anthony. I was that's... also dead wrong on Blake Bortles winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's true. This is true. Um, but that's going to do it for our AMA. Um, Anthony, I had an absolute blast. I know you did this last time without me. Uh, I was dealing with some family issues at the time. It was an absolute blast to be here. I look forward to doing it again. Hopefully they will have us back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, you know, and we'll stay on as long as you guys want next time. But the winner, um, has to be, in my opinion, Tart, because Tart brought out the most spirited conversation. So, um, I'm not sure how this works out. We will find out. But that's a month of Nitro right there. Uh, that's a little bit of a perk, of course, for folks who are new to the Discord app. But Anthony, anything else to say before we uh, get going today? Oh, uh, thanks a lot for uh, for having us. Uh, the first time I was here by myself, I like it a lot better with Mike here kind of running the show like he does over on our show, on our podcast yeah. and live stream, the FFA song. Amen. So, uh, guys, been an absolute blast, and we'll hopefully catch you next time. Cheers.